Hey, welcome to episode 18, Down a Ride. I want to invite you January 26th, Saturday. If you're in Los Angeles, I'm having a pop-up and it's going to be for my calendar, but also it's going to be a live podcast recording and I want you there. I don't have guests on the podcast and I want you to be the guest. I want us to talk rap, life, faith, whatever it may be. If you can come through, you got to reserve a seat though. And I'm going to put the link somewhere in this video. I'm going to put the link in the description box. I'm going to put the link in my bio on Instagram, letthe.set.go. There will also be a promotional code just for you, D2R, because I love you. I want to see you there. Reserve your seat. It's already going to be next weekend and I have a very limited space. So reserve your seat and I hope to see you and talk to you and for you to be my guest on Down a Ride podcast. Okay. I have a conspiracy theory. I'm back again with another conspiracy theory. This one's really weird. And also not like the other conspiracy theory I've spoken about before, which was about Takashi 69 and the Illuminati. This one feels as weird as it sounds. It feels like very real. <laughs> okay. This conspiracy is that the Trump family are time travelers. Mm-hmm. Sounds crazy. Here's my proof. My proof is somebody else's proof. And let's go ahead and give the credit where it's due, who it came from. Young Dre. So I think this was like whoever this young Dre person is was on Snapchat because these look like Snapchat captions. I'll show it in the video on YouTube. And then someone took that and put it on their Twitter. So Young Dre on Snapchat. He or she was in the Office of Congress Library website and came across this book written in 1893. The title of the book is Baron Trump. Okay. The book is about a boy who found a secret portal and time traveled. Baron Trump also is the name of Donald Trump's young son. I like Baron Trump, actually. Like when Donald was doing his speech when he accepted the presidency and Baron was just like, dog, I just want to go to sleep. Like if I had to pick a favorite Trump, it would probably be Baron. And the kid in the book, Baron Trump, in the 1800s, it's like a sketch, draws similar resemblance to the actual Baron Trump that we know today. But wait, there's more. In the book, Baron Trump had a mentor, and that mentor's name was Don. The book also takes place in Russia. Melania Trump, Baron's mom, is from Russia. Even if these, like, parallels seem a little sketch right now, you're going to trip out later. So in 1896, four years after the first book, Baron Trump, was made, the same author wrote a sequel, and he called it The Last President. This gets trippy. This book is about a very wealthy man who lived on Fifth Avenue in New York, ran for president, and wasn't expected to win. Trump Tower is on Fifth Avenue in New York. And according to Young Dre's post, in the book, when he won, it surprised everybody. And people started rioting and protesting. And after his inauguration, he started signing executive orders. That's what presidents do, but the other part is very true to life. After his inauguration, he started picking people for his cabinet. And guess what the last name of one of those people was in the book? made over 124 years ago. Pence. Now in the book, Pence was the Secretary of Agriculture, but still, the correlation is there. So now moving aside from the book itself, right? If you didn't know the car's Tesla, the original founders of Tesla Motors named it after Nikola's Tesla, who's a scientist and inventor. In 1943, Nikola's Tesla died, but before his death, he claimed that he invented a time machine and that he used it to travel back and forth in time. All right, well, when he died, the United States of America took all of his inventions and all of his notes 
So they looked through it, passed it to the FBI, trying to figure out what does what, does this work? What are these notes trying to decipher everything? After they couldn't really crack any of Tesla's codes, they hired an outside engineer who could understand Tesla, but not just any outside engineer. This outside engineer happened to be named John G. Trump, Donald Trump's uncle. After he studied the notes and he studied the inventions, he told the FBI or the government, you know what? There's nothing here. I don't see anything here. I can't make it out. This is bogus. But the conspiracy theory lies in the fact that maybe he did figure it out. And he just lied and said that he didn't. If they couldn't crack the code, they wouldn't be able to tell if he did. And so let's say Tesla did in fact make a time travel machine. And John G. Trump figured out the secret code to it or how to work it or what it does for real. Could Barron and Donald Trump be time travelers? And when they went back in time, maybe talk to the author of this book and that author wrote the book a hundred plus years ago or could it just all be coincidence do you believe this conspiracy theory tell me in the comments i want to know it's good all right while we're on some what the fuck type shit let me give you some more what the fuck type shit it's something that i learned and this isn't a conspiracy theory this is actually real and it's gonna trip you out it tripped me out get ready so i was reading this article well first of all i was on i was on an elevator and I was hitting the closed door button and then I was wondering, like, did this shit work for real? Googled it and it turned out that no. And I saw this article on CNN, how we're living in a placebo world. If you don't know what placebo is, it's basically like a sugar pill that they give you during like trials when they're testing out medicine. And they give two groups. They give one group the sugar pill and they give one group the actual medicine. And then they tell them like, hey, this pill is for headaches. And then you could tell, is this medicine really working by who's saying it works? If the people that you give a sugar pill to say, oh yeah, this stuff works. Like, bro, I just gave you sugar. I didn't give you anything that really helped you. But the medicine may be the one that works if only the medicine people are like, yeah, my headache is relieved. And the placebo people are like, your fucking medicine is trash. But anyway, placebo world, we live in one of those. And I'll explain why. The actual reason for this button, even in the elevator, is not for us regular folk. It's for like emergency workers. They actually have a key. And once they put the key in there, then it activates that button working or not. The reason it doesn't work for us regular people is because there's a law. And as it should be, there's a law that says elevator doors need to stay open long enough for people with disabilities to get there in time. That makes so much sense. But that's not all. Crosswalk buttons don't work either. According to the CNN article, New York, for example, only about 100 in 1,000 crosswalk buttons in New York City actually work. The reason they're still up at all is because it'd be more expensive to take them down than just to leave them there. And it's not that they didn't work. It's just that we as a society have found more advanced ways to figure out our light situations at intersections like sensors or like automated lights. So because of that, it really just did away with the necessity for crosswalk buttons. But they're still there because it'd be more expensive to take them out. And honestly, anytime I'm in New York, people don't use the crosswalk buttons anyway. They just cross. <laughs> Like that's a really that's a key difference in walking across the street in New York versus L.A. Anyone will tell you from either side. My friend Eve, who's from New York, I remember walking in Manhattan with him and I would stop because I would see the signal say stop. And he would cross and he'd be like, dude, Letty, what are you doing? And we're like, hey, there's the hand signal that's doing this. And he's like, yeah, that's a suggestion here. That's not law. In L.A., it's pretty much law. You'll get a ticket if you don't if you don't pay attention or abide by those rules. And also psychologically, they're there as a placebo to make us feel like we have some sort of control while we stand still and do nothing. 
So basically, I'm taking away the control that we feel when we push the button in the elevator and when we push the button at the crosswalk. Within this article, they have the psychological take. And it says, for humans, doing something makes us feel better than just standing there and doing nothing and waiting as the doors close or as the light changes. (sighs) But now, you know, you pushing those buttons doesn't matter. And actually, if you're in an elevator, maybe don't push that button. Push Push the level that you need to go. Because also, an elevator is said to be the dirtiest place. So it has the most germs or bacteria. And now that you know that that close button doesn't work, you don't need to push it and risk yourself getting germs and bacteria. Even if it makes you feel control. All right, let's see what else I can talk about that's, I like, happy and not a conspiracy and not <laughs> taking control away from everyone's life. Oh, Revenge of the Dreamers. The Revenge of the Dreamers three sessions, they're finished by now. It was cool. It looked cool. Dream- shout out to Dreamville. Shout out to Cole. Whatever they're putting together. It's going to be dope. But I want to take this time to encourage listening of the first Revenge of the Dreamers. I feel like when it dropped, Fans definitely gravitated towards it, but I feel like there's so much in there that rap as a whole could have had conversations about, could have dissected, and for whatever reasons, it just came and it went. But I do strongly encourage you revisiting the project. I'm actually doing a piece on it. It's going to be really cool. It's going to drop on the day of its release. It's coming up on five years that the first Revenge of the Dreamers dropped, and it dropped on J. Cole's birthday, so January 28th. My piece is going to drop, and I also interviewed Ibrahim for it. I'm excited for you to see that. But here are some gems I feel that have been really missed if you haven't listened to Revenge of the Dreamers. I really appreciated the full or the original version of what Crooked Smile ended up being because on this project, you hear another verse. It was cool to listen to because it's cool telling a story of being in a battle rap and what happened with him and his smile and his teeth and all of that. I enjoyed it as a fan. And also knowing like the crooked smile we hear or have heard on the radio different from the original. But also, may the bitter man win. I bring this up anytime a conversation about control is had because I know when control came out, people were responding and people wanted to know what Cole had to say. And then he jumped on the remix of that one Justin Timberlake song and he mentioned control. But I really feel like this song made the bitter man win. And this is me, in my opinion, this is a metaphor for him, rap, and Kendrick. The song's about a girl, which a lot of rappers metaphor hip-hop as a girl. The song's about a girl and how J. Cole had the girl. Maybe he didn't treat her so right, but he also, like, helped her come up. And then she got a new dude, and everyone's telling Cole, this new dude is better than him. And he's just like, what the fuck? And so he's playing off of that. But if you listen to it, looking for the narrative that the girls hip-hop j cole is the first guy clearly and the second guy the other dude the new guy is kendrick lamar it'll get you like oh shit and i think that in the moment of like the control spectacle and the responses that had me more hype off of how cole responded than when i heard the tko remix so listen to it if for nothing else i feel like that was the actual response to kendrick's control and worth the revisit of that album in general because it puts you up on Boz, it puts you up on Omen, for the masses first listens to them. And yeah, like I said, I'm going to be dropping a piece that I wrote on January 28th, revisiting the album on its five-year anniversary and J. Cole's birthday. All right, that's it for this podcast. I'm going to be dropping another one super soon. And actually, I want to invite you to my... I'm probably going to cut this out and put this in the beginning because it's very important. 
And then again at the end, because repetition and you need to hear it again. January 26th, Saturday, if you're in Los Angeles, I'm having a pop-up and it's going to be for my calendar, but also it's going to be a live podcast recording and I want you there. I don't have guests on the podcast and I want you to be the guest. I want us to talk rap, life, faith, whatever it may be. If you can come through, you got to reserve a seat though. And I'm going to put the link somewhere in this video. I'm going to put the link in the description box. I'm going to put the link in my bio on Instagram, letthe.set.go. There will also be a promotional code just for you, D2R, because I love you. I want to see you there. Reserve your seat. It's already going to be next weekend and I have a very limited space. So reserve your seat and I hope to see you and talk to you and for you to be my guest on Down a Ride podcast. Okay, bye.